Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another week of the Max Potential Habits podcast. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. If you've been listening to my podcast for a long time, you know that I so thoroughly enjoy talking about relationships and dynamics in relationships that lead to lives that thrive. We all know that if we're suffering in our relationships, everything feels pretty darn bad. (laughs) If you don't know how to relate to the people that you're spending time with, you will suffer. And in this win-win way of creating dynamic, healthy, vibrant relationships, I actually got an email from a, from actually it was someone who's been on our podcast and I don't remember the episode number, but it was No More Mr. Nice Guy, the author emailed me and he said, hey, I have a friend who wrote a book and I think you'd be a great guest for your podcast. He sent me the book. I've been reading it. I've had some really juicy conversations with my feminist friend who I go on trail runs with and this book has opened up so many parts of what I think about in terms of the masculine feminine dynamics in a relationship and what's important to consider. So I know a lot of you guys out there listening have struggled in relationships where you wonder about how do I open my heart? How do I get my wife or partner to want to have sex with me? How do I show up as a man in the relationship and not be too pushy? How do I show up as a masculine leader in my life, in my business, in my world that has me feeling grounded and centered and connected? And we're going to talk about all of that today. This book is awesome. I cannot wait for all of you to read it. So the book is called The Masculine in Relationships, A Blueprint for Inspiring the Trust, Love, and Devotion of a Strong Woman. The author is G.S. Youngblood, who is an author and men's coach. He coaches men in relationship, how to live, love, and lead from their masculine core. He's been a student and creator in the fields of men's work and authentic relating for 12 years. Through his lens of masculine leadership, he also pulls in principles from a variety of fields, psychology, martial arts, tango, meditation, and BDSM. We are going to have an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, GS. All right, Amanda. Thank you for having me on. It's great to be here. Awesome. I can't, I've been so excited for this conversation because I'm, I'm just reading this book and highlighting and taking notes and going like, oh, yes, I can't wait to have it. So first, I would love to hear your background. I know that you have a long history in sales and marketing in the executive world. Will you talk about that a little bit and how you got drawn into men's work? Yeah, 16 years in Silicon Valley uh, in various executive positions and actually learned a lot about leadership in that realm, you know, Silicon Valley is very progressive and people that work at these companies, they don't want to be told what to do. They want to be inspired. And that's really the model of of relationship that I'm talking about where a man is providing his leadership, but it's not domineering. It's not toxic masculinity. It's not the misogyny of old, but it's clear leadership and an invitation to follow that leadership. And that's an invitation that his feminine partner can, you know, pick up or, or ignore. It's really her choice, but he's putting out that invitation to follow his leadership and, and, and hopefully his skilled leadership. And that's a lot of what the book is about. Um, so I, you know, the way that I got into men's work was uh, the hard way, which was through a divorce that happened about 10 years ago. And um, it was a difficult time in my life for sure. And I really, at that, at that point, could not figure out 
really what happened? You know, why did this go so wrong? And uh, it was only a, a subsequent long-term relationship after that with, with a woman that was, you know, had a strong masculine and a strong feminine. And in that relationship, seeing what works uh, through all the men's work that I was doing and putting into practice learning and then, and then observing patterns and principles and things that work and then just codifying those over a six-year period of time into the book that, uh, that we're talking about today. So really that's what took me to, um, to where I am today. And I, I just, I love working with my clients. That's one of the biggest joys in my life uh, is seeing them improve their relationships because I wanna save relationships. I wanna help guys save their relationships, particularly people with kids. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the kids benefit when mom and dad figure out how to stay together. And in my, in my worldview, mom and dad stay together when the, when the man starts taking responsibility for how he is and starts stepping up um, with some of the, the, uh, the ways of being that I'm talking about in the, in the book. And that's, that's the whole goal here is to really help men. Mm, so much here. Okay, so first I want to say it seems so common to have people enter into a trajectory of coaching or whatever it is that they decide to get inspired to teach other people about when they've had this experience themselves. Mm -hmm. And they go, oh, I just want other people to be able to benefit from the knowledge that I've gained. And it sounds like you've done a really huge deep dive into exploring the world of masculinity and what works and what doesn't. I'm so curious. So, so let's, uh, there's so many questions I want to ask you. One, when, you know, something you just said that is really important is that piece of radical responsibility where we go, okay, let's look at ourselves and see how we're contributing to shaping a relationship that would or wouldn't work. And yeah. you said something about masculine leadership and how it's, it, it, from what, you know, what I've read in your book and what you're saying is, there's this initiation of a masculine, powerful man to be the one in the leadership role. Let's dig there. And I know it's a huge topic in your book too. So talk about that a little bit. Well, I want to pick up on the word, the phrase you had, which was radical responsibility. So there's really two ways to look at this. One is radical responsibility. Like I'm in my life, I'm going to take responsibility for my impact. There's sort of, it's sort of, um, there's a principle there. And that is absolutely true. And I love that. Let's talk more pragmatically though. And this is how I try to talk to guys, you know, less about, you know, you should do this because it's the high-minded thing to do. Uh -huh. <laughs> this is what I say to the men. Guys, waiting for her to change, uh, hoping that she'll change, demanding that she change, usually doesn't work because she's usually the way she is, uh, and let me qualify that statement in a second, but she's usually the way she is because she's just reacting to your way of being. So if you've become a doormat that has, doesn't have any opinions, if you're a man that gets defensive when she shares her emotional realities and emotional chaos, you know, if you're doing things like that, she's shutting down to you. And then she's going to become more irritable. She's going to become more critical. She's going to become less open to being sexual with you. And those are the, those are the I'll call them symptoms. Don't take that the wrong way. But those are the outward behaviors that they see in their woman that they're complaining about. I'm trying to get the guys to follow the bread comes back. She's just reacting to your way of being. So that's a lot of responsibility, but it's also, we just gave you the keys to the kingdom because when you change, more often than not, she'll change. 
Yeah. You know, it was amazing reading your book because I, you know, the feminist side of me got charged up by the word leader. Like women want their men to lead them. And I'm like, ah, you know, I, I went back and forth and I was on my run with my friend and I, and we started talking about your book and, you know, she's a feminist, we were both trained in feminist sociology for a long time. And she's like, we both like stopped running and she's like, oh, that sounds so good. (laughs) <laughs> and it, it was wild because I had the same response reading your book. I was like, yeah, I'm really tired of being the leader and I need a powerful man to be in that position. And I think the challenging part is that word can bring up some charge around dominance. You know, and you were talking about like toxic masculinity and dominance. Of course, no one wants to be dominated or, you know, have this toxic man who's you know, and it, well, and I'd love to hear your definition of toxic masculinity yeah. because I have one, but it's like, that's what we're avoiding and, and resisting, but that's not what you're talking about. So I would love to hear, you know, your perspective on first, what, what does toxic masculinity look like to you and, and what would be a definition of that? Yeah. So toxic masculinity is, I equate that with domineering. I want to actually differentiate between the word domineering and dominating. So domineering is the misogynistic, I'm entitled, uh, I'm in charge, I'm entitled to, to your body, I'm entitled to tell you what to do. Um, that's domineering, that's misogyny, that's toxic masculinity. And it doesn't, it doesn't fly in this world. I mean, that's why I wrote the book about strong women. The, the joke, there's an inside joke here, it's like pretty much most of the women I know are strong women. It's not like there's a few of them here and there. It's <laughs> the norm. So, you know, men learn how to operate in this environment. So that's the toxic masculinity. And I like to do a little word refinement because I think it helps the conversation because it's a charged conversation. I'm not leading you as in I'm in charge of you. I'm bringing leadership to the relationship. And guess what? You might bring some leadership. And our leadership might actually look different. Like if I were to total, totally stereotype masculine and feminine energies, really whoever's bringing them, but... The masculine energy is going to bring uh, clarity, direction, decisiveness. The feminine leadership is going to be the vanguard for our connection and noticing when the connection is kinked and when, uh, and when things seem a little off. Like that's the pure feminine leadership. Now, within one body, we're all a mix of those two. But we can each bring leadership. So men being leaders doesn't mean they're the only leader. It means they're bringing leadership and they're doing it in a very specific style, which I try to lay out in the book, particularly in the, the second section of the book, which is provide structure, which is all about, you know, really the leadership part of this. So, you know, I, I don't know, does that help create yeah. some distinctions that make this Definitely. easier to work with? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I think in, it, yes, I, I wanted you to outline, because you're talking about the providing structure part, I know that you have a blueprint. Share with everyone yeah. listening what your blueprint is for being the masculine in the relationship. Yeah, so my experience of a lot of men is they don't understand really how to be more in their masculine. They would love to. I think, you know, 99 out of a hundred guys might say, yeah, I would like to be more in my masculine and I have no idea how to do that. So I created this blueprint, which is just, you know, it's for guys that say, just tell me what to do, man. I don't understand what to do. So just tell me. So the blueprint is very actionable. It's a three part structure. Um, The first part, well, it's a three part structure. And my contention in this book is, any man, it doesn't matter how tall, how short, how muscular, how rich, how intelligent or good looking you are, any man can bring these qualities. 
and he's going to be more attractive to the feminine. You know, it doesn't matter all these other qualities. You bring this kind of energy, you're going to be more attractive in some way to the archetypal feminine. Uh, maybe not particular women, but just the archetypal feminine. So element one of the blueprint, respond versus react. And so this is a man who has a stillness to him. You know, there's a groundedness that you can feel. And, you know, he's not kind of flitting about and talking fast and making snap decisions and being indecisive. Like he's just grounded and you can feel it. And groundedness transmits. Like if I'm in a frazzled state, like, like I may have almost been right before we started as we were trying to get things, you know, if I'm just bringing that, you know, I'm going to transmit that to you. And then you're going to start to feel frazzled. And so you're not going to feel settled and relaxed around me. And so that's why this, this first part is so, so important. So, you know, to, to get into that, I have three chapters in the book of, of talking about what I call a state of threat, about how we go into a state of threat, the impact that has on our physiology. That's one. I talk about how men can handle their emotions in a, in a, through a lens that is very masculine. And then I talk about embodiment practices, which are absolutely fundamental and foundational to, um, to creating a more grounded presence in the world. So that's yes, all. Will you d dig there a little bit and, and detail? Yeah. What does embodiment mean? I don't know that everyone listening knows what that means. So we yeah. share some strategies around embodiment and what it is. Yeah. Well, embodiment as a general phrase is anything that gets you out of your head and into your body and into your emotional body as physical and emotional body. And so that takes the form of a daily practice and um, it's breathing, it's meditation. There can be movement practices and some visualization practices. So I go through a few of these in chapter 13, I think, on embodiment. I'm actually about to come out with an online course on this as well. Uh, just many hours of all my practices and teaching you how to do uh, the practices. Some are traditional and so far some are those that I created myself. Um, so that's, that's what I'm talking about. And we could, I mean, we could go on for hours about different yeah. practices. But yeah. the ones I've designed are very contextual to what we're trying to do here and what we're trying to create. Okay. And it, am, am I right? I, I, uh, I, so I told GS before we got, I said, oh, I got so into the book and I was highlighting and reading and, and I didn't get all the way through, but I, I, I started to skim some of your embodiment parts. And I know I promote a lot of meditation. And in, in that piece, for me, it was that part of learning when I get into that threat state to shift my energy and to be able to get out of monkey brain and yeah. primitive thinking and step into frontal cortex and executive center where I go, okay, that's yeah. why meditation is so powerful. That's why breathing is so powerful. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. And yeah. The, I, I tried, when I started meditating many, many years ago, I tried <laughs> the first 10 years I've never really stuck because I was a bit of a, I was in an abstract, you know, so I was trying to use my mind to notice my thoughts. So the practices that I teach are really about finding other anchors to really hold on to, to pull yourself out of your mind. You need other anchors. Often it's physical sensation. Um, and um, so I, th that's one of the key things that is you've got to have another vine to grab on before you can let go of the vine of your own mm. thoughts. So mm -hmm. That's what a lot of these practices are designed around. Okay, wonderful. Okay, okay, so first part of the blueprint respond versus react. Yeah. Next is providing structure. So tell us a little bit about providing structure. Provide structure. Okay, there's really two elements um, to this. One, one way is, is you're bringing, I mean, the quality is one of clarity, one of decisiveness. And so 
the first thing you have to do, if you want to, if you want to provide structure for, for yourself and someone you're in relationship with and those around you, first step is you've got to know what you want. So I have a whole chapter that goes through desire. Like what are your preferences, needs, boundaries, wants? You know, a lot of guys, they take this position of, of yeah, look, I'm an easygoing guy. Like I don't, I don't have a lot of needs, so I'm all good here. And they think that that makes it easier for their feminine partner. And I would say maybe at first it's easier. And then at some point she's just like, who the fuck are you, man? Like, yeah. Yeah. Where are you in there? I can't feel you. And, she, and it's attraction so uncomfortable. Yeah. So you have experience with this. I'm oh fine. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it, it's one. that so, it's that idea that you think you're being easygoing, but having no preferences is not realistic, and it's completely to me a mask of being too nice. Yes, I'm and glad then you, you said that. You don't know what you're working with. Right, and it goes into Robert Glover's work, who you mentioned yeah. earlier. Then you become yeah. a nice guy who hides his needs, and you become angry underneath. Yeah. So look, this is a this is a practice. It's a calisthenic that men have to do of like to sit and say, okay what is it I'm really wanting? And they might sit for a while because they've so atrophied that part of their, of their brain um, that just taps into what they want and, and is okay with that. I'm like, yeah, baby, I, this is what I want to do. I want to go to the Moroccan restaurant. And um, that's what's feeling really good to me. Are you, are you in? So getting in touch with what you want. And then what I, you know, if I want my woman to go into her feminine state, which is going to be more relaxed, more playful, more radiant, more expressive. If I want her to go into that, and I need to alleviate her temporarily of some of the decision-making burden. So if it's as easy as we're going to dinner, instead of saying, baby, where do you want to go to dinner? You might say, hey, baby, I actually researched three restaurants. We can all get in at eight o'clock at all of them. Um, you know, which of these three sound good to you? Um, and then, so that's you providing, you're simplifying. You haven't just yeah. thrown the whole decision-making wide open to her. You've actually simplified it and she can say, I like A, B, or C, or I don't like any of those. She's, she's welcome to say that and you'll adapt in the moment, but you've simplified the decision-making while incorporating her needs. And so mm -hmm. I think that's the art of this in a lot of cases when we talk about leadership is you can take a leadership role, um, but you've got to incorporate her needs because in, in so many cases, she's as competent or more competent in a lot of these things, you know, than you are. So that's the art is to bring focus, bring simplification, bring some direction, incorporate her needs. And what I say to guys is you don't have to make every decision. You just need to make sure a decision gets made. So you facilitate the decision so that you two have a plan. So that's the, uh. that's the, the simplest uh, uh, version. Okay, of that. I, I want. I have to. I have to chime in here. <laughs> yeah, so, the, for those of you who are listening, uh, you know, there's only a little tiny clip of this that gets video. So, you know, you're not seeing our reactions to each other, and I'm just sitting here nodding my head and smiling because I'm like, oh, that is so true. You know, it's yeah. like this feeling of you know, as a strong, powerful woman, I am making decisions all day long, like you know, rapid fire decisions, very important decisions, big complex decisions. It's just like, it feels so nice to be with a man who's grounded in the ability to be decisive. And it does provide a sense of structure and connection. And it allows the, it allows me, I'll just speak for myself, but it's interesting because I've talked to a lot of people about what the content in your book and this idea of providing structure and decisiveness. And it's like, oh, I get to like, like, as you said it, I can even just breathe into the softness of my being. Yeah. And so it's such a powerful force. You talked a lot in, in the sections that I read and the chapters that I read about 
when a man shows up that way because a woman in the world, you know, where we're becoming, we're in a world now that's more equal. Women are working and, you know, they're doing powerful things in the world. And, you know, in that way, she shows up mas in a masculine way in a lot of, of her life. So yep. then in the relationship, it's this, it's the um, polarity of creating the dynamic between the masculine and feminine so that in the relationship, she gets to have the softness because she has the masculinity out in the world. You know, and reading that, I was just like, oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> that is exactly, I mean, it's just very, it, 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 ring, it resonated deeply when I was reading it. Yeah. It, if, it may, if I could point out two things to your listeners. One is for the men out there, um, whether or not you heard it without the video, I mean, Amanda, sorry, I almost called you Laura. Uh, Amanda had a visceral reaction. She wasn't having a mental reaction of like, oh, that really sounds nice. She was, I mean, you, I think you made a noise. And you yeah, was like, oh, yeah, you know? totally. That's men. That's what makes you uniquely attractive. When you, when your way of being touches a visceral place in your world, that's when she's going to get interested in you, you know, again, it's not the necessarily the buying her flowers or something you might say. It's like, you've got to touch these visceral parts where she's craving. And Amanda, as a powerful woman, you know, you, you are, I'm, I'm going to put words in your mouth, but I think it's what you just said. You're craving to be able to let go once in a while. Yes. And so that, that hence the visceral reaction. Yeah. Now, the flip side is that men say, well, what about me? I yeah. want to, like, I work all day and here's my answer. It's like, yeah, okay. I, I get your, your sort of civil rights kind of, you know, angle on these things. But if you want her to go into that soft, expressive, playful, open state, then this is what you need to do. You need to alleviate her from decision-making. Then she's freed up to relax into her more feminine side. Yeah. So it's, a, it's really a choice, men. You know, if you don't want to do it, great. If you want to say, what about me? Great. But enjoy your, you know, your woman and her masculine energy. And, right. And, you know, and good, a sexless good luck. relationship. <laughs> exactly. Good luck with sex I mean, and intimacy. I think that's the thing that's, I, I love that you said that because I've heard men say that before. They're like, what about me? And when do I get to relax and all these things? And the truth is, I think that men overlook, well, when you show up that way, women want to take care of you in a feminine way. Yes, but when that. you don't show up that way, they resist, they repel, they avoid, and they feel resentful. So it's, yeah. and, and I, you know, I can't speak for a lot of women, but I have these conversations with a lot of women and I see it in relationship dynamics all the time. And I've seen it in my own relationship dynamics. So it's like, oh, let's, let's, it, it, this is something that was really challenging for me in feminism is that it does, there is a version of feminism where you, the, the equality conversation gets a little bit challenging where we forget that like, okay, and you talk about this in the book, equal doesn't mean the same. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that men and women want the exact same things. And it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that when we show up in a relationship, we don't need to do different things to enhance the connectivity in the relationship. And so it's learning these parts. And it's, and, you know, even in GS's book and the way that I'm talking about it, it's like, you're going to read this and you're going to take what you need to take and talk to your partner about it you're going to find your own versions on the spectrum of masculinity and femininity. Maybe it's like there's areas where you go, okay, once a week, I'll make all the decisions so that you don't do feel like you can relax. But generally speaking, as the man in the relationship, I want you to make most of those decisions. Or maybe it, you know, it's a conversation. It's not like yeah. this is a, a blueprint that's set in stone and you can't have those conversations. But I think from what I've read so far in the way that I had a lot of visceral responses when I was reading it, I was like, 
oh yeah, that, like anybody I date in the future needs to read this book first. I'll be like, okay, you read this and then we can, and then we can hang out. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send you some copies for those, Thank for you. those lucky men. You can just hand them out on the first date. <laughs> yeah, right? But it's so true because it's, it's like a blueprint for understanding how to soften yeah. women. And, yep. and I think that at the end of the day, a guy would say, you know, it's like, you know, when you just said, they're like, well, what about me? Well, I think most guys are saying, why doesn't my woman want, is it, why isn't she sexually attracted to me anymore? Why doesn't she want to right. be intimate with me? Why is she pulling away? So I think this is a really powerful conversation to be having because, you know, the majority of people want that kind of intimacy in their relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. I, my, you know, man, if your woman doesn't want to be sexual with you, if she's critical, I, I always say, you know, she just wants to be loved and led by you. And what I mean by that is, she wants to feel the connection between the two of you. You know, I won't say at all times, but pretty continuously. And she wants to feel your clarity and your leadership at times in the, in the ways that we've talked about. Yeah. And once you do that, everything takes care of itself. You know, relationship yeah. problems just magically disappear when you do this. It really yeah. is amazing. Amazing yeah, stuff. I can see it. Okay. Yeah. So keep going. So, yeah. no, so, so just recapping for listeners, if you're driving, you're doing something else. So number one of the blueprint, respond and react versus react. Number two, provide structure. And number three is to create safety. So talk yeah. to us a little bit about that part. I'm, I'm going to say one thing to, t to cap off, provide structure. You know, because okay. we talked about it. I talked about an inclusive way of, of, of leading. And man, you know, sometimes your woman wants you to come home and say, baby, put on, put on that dress you know I like. I'm taking you out to dinner. Be ready at seven. You know, and, and you're just, you are absolutely taking charge. And you've got everything handled. You made the, you made the uh, reservation. Maybe you don't even tell her where you're going, but you know, you know it's a place she'll like and it has the kind of food because you called and looked at the menu or you got online and looked at the menu first to make sure it was a good choice. And, and so, you know, sometimes and, that's- Oh, yeah. I love this so much. And I want to add the layer, if you have kids, the man takes care of taking, if getting the kids taken care of. There you go, too. exactly. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> like, leave that to her. He yeah. just handles everything and, like, and oh. you, don't give her a, you don't give her a choice. And, and that can extend to the bedroom. And I don't want to skip over this part, but, and we can come back to it if you want, Amanda. But, because um, it's, it's one of the reasons I, I wanted to distinguish between the word domineering and dominating. Um, I think domineering is bad. Like, in my mind, that's the negative connotation. Uh, domination actually can be a fun energy to play with. And that's part of leadership as well. You know, leadership in the bedroom is chapter 13. Um, and, it, you know, it's about taking leadership and setting up the conditions where she can open sexually. And then as you go through the chapter, I get progressively more, you know, closer to more dominating energy. And, you know, man, if you haven't developed this energy, like this kind of, I just think of it as sort of a darker energy, um, you might want to. You might want to learn the art of that because in, in many women, I, I can't speak for all because I know there's also a lot of sexual trauma out there. So it gets to be really tricky territory. So I'm, I'm super cognizant of that and I'm not making generalizations. Uh, in many cases though, maybe where there's absent the more extreme sexual traumas, you know, dominating energy can actually be amazing for your relationship. And um, so anyways, it's yeah, something that, I, I, that I, I think this is okay. So I'm just going to dig here. And I know it, for my listeners, this, this pod, this episode is, I'm nerding out because like, I love, love, love this conversation. I mean, my 10 years of gender studies for me, you know, under my belt. And so I love to have these conversations. And because even as a business coach, 
this is a topic that comes up with every single person I work with is challenges in relationships. Mm-hmm. I work with a lot of couples, even with individuals that I work with, they have challenges in their relationships. So I think it's such an important conversation to be having. And in that sexual trauma piece, you know, I think the stats, it's one of the, the biggest hit, uh, dark figures of crime, let's say, where it, a lot of it goes unreported. So most women have experienced some form of sexual trauma. From my experience, I, I spent a lot of years in victimology and trauma studies. And, you know, most women have experienced sexual trauma. If you're a woman who's working through that, like I've experienced sexual trauma in a lot of different ways. And as you're working through that history, I still think that there's a space in, a re- in an intimate relationship where you do feel safe and there is that container of safety that that isn't even off the table. It's just that you, it's a constant conversation, right? And, yeah. and in that way, as, as a coach who works with people's helping them master themselves, if you are somebody who's experienced sexual trauma and it is holding you back in relationships, go there, do that work because you don't want to forever be a victim of your history because mm-hmm. you're going to keep bringing that into your current relationships and not be able to connect in the ways that you want to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I'll say that piece first. I, I love that you're sensitive around that and said that. And I think it's really important for men to be very conscious of that most women have experienced sexual trauma. I was reading, ugh, I don't know if I marked the page, but somewhere in here you were talking about, there's so many good spots that I marked. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You, there was somewhere where you were talking about this, where you were talking about how most, oh yeah. Uh, Many women also feel physically vulnerable amount around men who are in most Mm -hmm. cases, bigger and stronger. We may live in a civilized society, but women must rely on that civility for their safety. Many will tell you that they often feel some level of risk, no matter how remote, and must deal with this on a daily basis. This is absolutely true. I have never mm-hmm. met a woman who's, I, you know, I've asked these questions in, in class lectures of 150 and said, okay, I want the women in here to raise their hand if they've gotten an Uber and thought about their safety. Every yeah. single one of them raises yeah. their hand. The yep. men were blown away. They're like, what? And I asked yeah. the men and it's like, no one none of the men worry about that. Yep. <laughs> you know, they're like, I'm fine. I'm in an Uber. It's not a big deal. Yep. And w- so women are at this constant level of threat. I think, you know, in society, yes. they're constantly tracking everything around them to go, am I safe? Do I need to worry? What am I wearing? What's that man looking at? Like, it's a constant thing. So I think it's a really important conversation to have, but I think in, in your book, what I, what is highlighted for me is that having those conversations in your relationship and having your partner provide that safety of container then does allow for a space for the, that dominant energy to actually yes. feel good because yes. it does feel good. It yeah. just doesn't feel good when it's on the scary end of being overpowered. Right. Well, you just transitioned just into, into the third element of the blueprint. So it was, a, it was good. So create safety as the third element. And we're talking about physical, financial, and emotional safety. And yeah, you're damn right. Women feel physically unsafe in a lot of cases in this world. And men, men don't totally get that, which is why I wrote about it. And I'm, I'm just really glad for your perspective because I don't consider myself an authority on women's issues or women's trauma at all. So I'm glad that you added that. Um, but yeah, this men, you know, have got to remember that, um, there's, you know, number one, you have to, we need to protect women from other men who will threaten them. And to have an intimate relationship that wants to open up, you have to keep safety in mind at all times. So again, physical, financial, and emotional. So, you know, physical safety, 
uh, is as easy as uh, putting a fire extinguisher in your girlfriend's house because she didn't have one. You know, you're looking out for her safety. Uh, one of the ones I used to, the, the last long-term relationship I was in, um, she lived 45 minutes to an hour away. And so I always made her text me when she got home. So it was never open loop. She got home and got into her condo uh, safely. So I always did that. And she felt very taken care of. So that was me mm -hmm. taking care of the physical safety. Um, and then there's emotional safety. Um, and I think that's where the, the, the bulk of what I talk about, Amanda, is emotional safety. And, you know, how can my woman get to a place where she feels comfortable letting out some of her emotional messiness with me and it's going to feel safe that it'll be held in a way that mm -hmm. is, you know, she feels, she feels safe to, to let that out with me and show that part of me. And traditionally men are horrible at this. <laughs> right. Well, and then that ties back to number one, which is respond versus react, right? It's yes. like, can I show up with all of my emotional part of my being and have you yeah. hold the space and just hold me through it and not react in a way like I'm to blame. I need to, you know, even the fixing thing. It's like just the, the creating the safety part is like a container. I like that you're saying hold a space for it. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you want, we can go into sort of, the, the ways to not to do that and the ways to do that. I Absolutely. There's two <laughs> things I really want to talk about. And one is, <laughs> is the financial creating safety, because this yes. is a conversation I have with a lot of the, my women friends, because, you know, we're financial powerhouses and men can be threatened by that. And then I go like, does, you know, does a man need to make more money to feel more powerful or, you know, cause then that limits my ability to step into my financial power. Right. Yep. That's a so, challenging one. And it was a it, big one in my last relationship. Yeah, let's talk about that. So um, it is depolarizing when the woman makes more than the man. And, uh, you know, yeah. that's a, I know that there's parts of that could be a controversial statement, but I'm just going to stand by it. Like, it's depolarizing. Yeah. So it's the, I think the analogy is around height of, of a woman who's taller than the man. Uh -huh. Okay, it happens. There's nothing wrong with that, but it creates an energy differential an unspoken power differential, if you will, that now, okay, so what do you do? That means, that means the man needs to be even more grounded. You know, yeah. he, needs to, he needs to be energetically bigger than her. He needs to create more structure. He needs to create more safety to overcome that, uh, you know, that, that subtle energetic power differential that's created by, you know, a woman who might be taller than the man, and in this case, the woman who, who makes more money. So really, men, just get energetically bigger with a woman who's you know, taller, but in, in your example, makes more money. Now, I will say this. You better have your shit together. You don't have to make more than her, but have your shit together. It, well, actually, regardless of what she makes, you know, you've got to uh, get the education you need to succeed in this world. You've got to have the focus and work ethic to you know, hold jobs, to continue to advance in your career. And you've got to be smart about things. Like if you're always chasing the next project, you know, uh, but you, you keep failing because it's high risk or it's not making you money. It's going to be a little bit of a loss of respect there because you're, you're not really delivering. And I, so I had a friend who, um, he really wanted to be a filmmaker and a coach and he wasn't making shit for money on either of those things. And his wife was constantly saying, what's your plan, man? What's your plan? And so there was a constant dissatisfaction because he was chasing his dreams, but at the exclusion of being, uh, what, what I call a provider. It doesn't mean he's the only provider. It doesn't mean he's the one who makes more, but he is a provider in the relationship and there's some stability to it. So those are my, those this. are my thoughts it, on that. There, topic. there were, uh, you know, there was 
a part in here where I was reading and I just like lined the whole page and I said, show up, men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it's yeah, that exactly. Up. It's like, okay, I'm doing work on myself. I'm, you know, I step into personal development. I, you know, exercise so that I look healthy physically and feel healthy physically. I, you know, I empower myself in the financial realm. I want to have connected conversations. Like I want my man to do all those things too. You know, like, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to do all the work over here in the emotional realm and personal development and financial world and step into that. And you just kind of sit back and follow your dreams. Like, Mm -hmm. exactly. You know, and, and not to say that. that you can't follow your dreams, follow your dreams, but, but pursue them and have them be actionable to where you're having results. Yeah. You know, that it, 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 to me, that seems so logical that that would be the expectation. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's well, a lot. And of I don't like there's the word a, expectation that would, that that would be the desire. It's, say. it's, but let's be really explicit about that. It's not, it's, it might be an expectation, but it's just like, that's what attracts me. Right. And if you, if you want to attract me, then right. this is it. You know, yeah. I don't know what to tell you other than that. Yeah. And so, you know, for yeah. men, that, men that want to attract Amanda, have your shit together. <laughs> right. It, it, totally. And it's like, I, I always tell people, you need to become who you want to attract. You know, so you can't expect this other person to bring all these amazing things, but then you're not doing the work on yourself too. Yep. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Okay. So, <laughs> so I want to dig too. So I thank you. I love that conversation around the energy deferential and and it, it's, it doesn't mean it's impossible or that even the lack of polarity in the financial place, you just need to step up in other ways to balance out that energy. Um, I want to keep going on the emotional conversation. So you were going to give some, the listeners some tips on the providing the emotional safety. Piece. Yeah. You know, when, when women bring their emotional chaos to us, so their intensity, their upset, um, we tend to do a lot of things. We will withdraw uh, or withdraw rather. Um, and that could mean, you know, two things like just you're too emotional. Come back when you're, you know, calm down and then leaving the conversation or the, the, what's even worse is you just go stony and you kind of just sit there and you're inside. You're like, fuck you, fuck you, whatever, crazy, you know, and you're just, you're really not permeable at all. And that is going to be like a dagger in your feminine partner's heart, you know, in most cases. Um, the, the worst one of all, and I, I think I end up talking about this on every interview I do because it's so pervasive, but defensiveness. So I have a great video on my YouTube channel about defensiveness and, and I write about it in the book, but you know, defensiveness is you are, uh, channeling emotion to me and I'm responding with facts. I'm trying to, but, but no, no, wait a minute. You know, like you're, you're, you got that, you're wrong about that. I didn't go to the store first, you know? I didn't, you know, I, I, blah, blah, blah. So it's, I'm trying to convince you not to be mad by trying to defend or correct the facts or maybe blame you back and say, well, what about that thing you did? And that works in exactly like 0% of the cases, you know, with any kind of reasonably feminine woman. It's just, and look, I, I am in that boat. I mean, I'm better these days, but in my relationships, I've done it too. So I'm not, I'm not casting stones at anybody. It's, it's hard. It's really hard when you come at us and you, you know, in a lot of cases, no offense, feminine, but you do often have your facts wrong and you project shit on us and you know, there's anger and blame that, so it's, it's never clean, you know, it's yeah. rarely a clean transmission, but when we get hooked by that and then try to go and correct those facts, it never works. It and it really, yeah. yeah, it just really, and then the guy's like, I just can't deal with you. And then he throws the C word at you. You're crazy. You know, because you're not making any sense. You're crazy. And then, 
Crazy is a real intimacy killer and it's a real relationship killer because it's a label I put on you to explain your behavior. And it, it really, it's blame. I'm just blaming you for this. And, um, you know, you have to get, you have to transcend like blame, like whose fault is this? It, men have to understand it. You're giving me an emotional expression. And so I, what I write about in the book is hear her pain, not the blame. You know, I need to hear that, that, that you're in pain. You know, if you're, if you're emotionally chaotic and, you know, even if you're coming at me, you're, you're in some kind of emotional pain. But if I, you know, just look at the facts and the information, I'll never feel that. And so I tell guys, just, just feel that your baby's in pain. It's like, wow, my baby's really hurting. And, you know, I say to guys, if it was your seven-year-old daughter, you wouldn't be getting upset and defensive. You'd be like, oh, sweetie. You know, you'd have a heart-centered reaction to your seven-year-old daughter. Well, why can't you do that to your 30, 40-something-year-old intimate partner? You know, why can't you go into the heart? And that's chapter, that's the last chapter in the book that you saw. It's about heart and how to respond from a heartful place. So anyway, those are some of the dysfunctional ways that men, you know, create unsafety in their woman. So big and so applicable to so many people. (laughs) I think, you know, in sensitivity to the people who are stuck in that mode, read the book because it'll give you some tips. And also remember, it's that threat response. I think that most people get defensive when they feel like, oh, crap, I got to figure out how to fix this. It's on me. In in part, it's that wiring of like, oh, I've got to provide structure. So you're upset. I'm not sure how to deal with it. So I'm going to come at you with some facts to try to fix it. But I think, you know, from a woman's perspective or most people I know, and it's funny because I've been guilty of this with my kids. Sometimes when my, I call it fixer robot. Like when my kids would come to me instead of just listening, they don't want me to fix it. They just want to be heard. And my, and I had to really realize like, oh, it's because I don't want my kids to hurt. I don't want them to be in pain. And when I realized like, but they're not asking me, people ask you very clearly when they need advice. Mm Mm-hmm. You what know? should I do? Yeah, totally. They will yeah. ask you like, what will you help me help? Tell me what to do when they're just talking to you about those experiences. They just want a, a, a space to be heard, you know, yeah. and it's just like holding the person through it, listening, reflecting. And then at the end, if you want, you can ask like, do you want my help or do you just want to be heard? Or at the beginning yeah. of the conversation, you can ask yep. this. I think it's, I mean, so powerful. And you know, you talked the heart opening part. I was, I, you know, I said, I didn't read the whole book, but I, I, uh, I went through it and I was like, Oh, Yes, yes, yes. This is awesome. Um, there was you were in the heart opening. There's so much good stuff there. So every I would say men and women listening, read the book. And and men step up and read the book. Don't have your partner read the book and then tell you about the book. You read the book. <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> yeah, never. <laughs> I get I, think, I get a ton of emails from from women. Right. And it's like, and they're like, please, how do I get my partner to do these things? And and that is like, to me, the number one action step call of this entire episode is men step up and learn how to be powerful men. Like learn how to match your women in this way of they're showing up in their powerful feminine. You show up in your powerful masculine and create relationships that thrive. Like this is a blueprint to do that from my perspective. Of course, there's things that I was like, Ooh, I want to talk and dig here and ask questions here. And I look at it as like, I had so many, it's rare for me when I'm reading a book, often my brain will be going, I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideas, ideas, ideas here. I was like, Oh, like I had a lot mm-hmm. of visceral mm-hmm. reactions. I love and that. I thought, this is what, this is a very important conversation. I think. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that bodily endorsement. <laughs> yeah. Like really powerful stuff. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. bringing it to the table. Well, it's um, very, I'll just say one thing. 
everything I write about is very personal. It's, I'm not, you know, writing about things I read about, uh, pretty much everything in that I've lived through, uh, except in the cases of, of the examples of clients, but then I was, I was living it with them. So it's very personal, yeah. everything yeah. I written about in that book. So, so good. Are there, is there anything before, I mean, I could go on for a long time with you. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, we gave a lot of juicy tips there. What would you say if there was a, a, the biggest takeaway you possibly could give to listeners about your work and about masculine in relationships, what would it be? I actually think we already covered it. So I'll just repeat a few things. Okay. Um, you know, one is a daily practice for men. I just think it's so important because, you know, you're going to get in these situations and you never can predict what's going to happen. So you, you can't like behavior your way through it. You have to, it has to be done with the nervous system low. Man, you've got to settle your nervous system to, to deal with the emotional chaos of a feminine partner and become that grounded man that she's craving. So daily practice, that's number one. Um, hear her pain, not the blame. We just talked about that. And it's a total reframe and your life will change. Her life will change. Your relationship will change. If you can just pause and just feel into your woman, you just got to feel into what she's feeling. Don't, don't go into the information. So that's two. And then um, this last one we didn't really get to, uh, but you commented on it. It was just um, a man being more in his heart. This is actually the frontier that I, I personally am on right now. Um, because of my last relationship ending, quite frankly, and going deeper and deeper into, into my heart. And, you know, a lot of men don't get that. They're like, in my heart, what are you, you want me to be a poet or something? And I want to be, a, I want to be a strong masculine man. Don't talk to me about my heart. And yeah. it's counterintuitive, but actually they're, they're coincident. And this is my belief. And after talking to a lot of women about it, it's like the combination of a strong masculine with uh, your heart centered approach to life that is an unbeatable combination. You're uniquely attractive when you can bring the dark and the light energies together and, um, and really bring both of those to a relationship. So even though we didn't get to talk about it, I'm, I'm creating. Now you can't not talk about it now. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to make time for that. I want to hear, I do want to hear more because yeah, you said, I wrote down, oh, you said she's reacting to your way of being right. So it's like in that leadership role, it's like a leader with a heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I'm just like, yes, that sounds incredible, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. rare to meet a man who is confident enough and willing to do that work. And mm-hmm. just like you said, it's like a lot of guys will go, my heart, what do you mean? Like, uh, that, I, don't, I think people don't know how to do that. I, I mean, it's something I'm working on big time. One of my big quests right now is heart opening, you know, and yeah. it's like, and in part, it's because of that relationship piece where there's a lot of trauma, relationships, childhood, all these experiences cause us yeah. to want to shut down our heart and use protective strategies that, that, that protect us. But then what happens is the thing you want the most, which is that close connected feeling never gets to happen. Right. So, you know, opening your heart is really important. So talk about it just for, just for a few minutes. I mean, I can't, you can't say that and then not. Yeah, it's the hardest thing to describe. I'm, 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 as people ask me about it, I'm like, okay, how do I describe this? Even though I'm yeah. this, these last six months have been this massive visceral experience of it for me. So, yeah. you know, being in your heart is, it's, I almost have to describe it more viscerally. It's just, you know, for me, it's, I pause, I breathe. I don't feel an obligation to figure 
anything out or fix anything. And I tune into, I tune into the moment, the emotion. If it's, I'm with somebody else, I'm, it's, I'm trying to feel into what it's like to be them. Um, I'm feeling my goodwill towards others because I don't need to fix anything. My nervous system is settled and my wounds aren't acting up and I feel like I need to protect myself. So I'm letting go of the need to protect myself. Um, you know, you can get there through a daily embodiment practice. You can uh, get there through other means uh, for settling your nervous system. You can get there by pausing and thinking of your seven-year-old daughter and, you know, kind of brings a soft spot. And then I open my eyes and I transfer that feeling onto you, Amanda, as I sit here and I can be more in my heart and feel what's it like to be Amanda in this moment. And, and you can get there by, this is where I'm having a hard time putting words to it, but I've been in this really deep practice of instead of like protecting myself and holding off my pain of life, I am just actually welcoming it in. And it sounds like such a platitude as I said it, as I say it, but it's, I'm having this very visceral experience of just like, and I, I think of it as heartbreak. That's the word that I've been using for myself. So um, for instance, yesterday, my ex criticized me and we have a pretty good relationship, but, but there's, there's history there, you know? And so she was being critical in a way that, um, you know, she was projecting all over me and, and, and I, Whereas I would have gotten very reactive, angry, um, defensive with her, you know, five, 10 years ago, I just actually sat in the heartbreak of her accusing me of something that was very, um, that was very, just really not connected to, to reality as I understood it. And so I just felt like, so instead of getting angry, I was like, oh, I can feel that actually hurts because it, I feel our history channeling through that. And I just sat in the heartbreak that she was criticizing me about something that I, I didn't feel was really wanted. That was a very different approach um, than getting angry, getting reactive, numbing out, pushing these things away. So, and now I, because of that practice, I really experience people in a very different way. And while I'm not in relationship right now, you know, were I to be, I think I'm, I'm way more equipped to receive a feminine partner's anger because I can respond from a heart space. And when you're in your heart space, actually her anger seems so much easier. You yeah. know, it seems yeah. so much easier. This is the, this is like for men, if you want to get back to the pragmatic part, when I'm in my heart, she doesn't seem as scary. It's so That's strange, really, right? It's really seems, what it comes it's down to. It's very paradoxical because you go like, if I open my heart, there's more vulnerability to being hurt. But actually when you open your heart, there's more ability to respond to your surroundings, which most people are just seeking love from my perspective. Yes. You know, it's like, we just want to be yes. understood and, yeah. and yeah, and connect deeply. And yeah, it takes I, a heart opening to do that. It really does. And it's so counterintuitive for us. Yeah. Men. So women, yeah. please, you know, have, have mercy and on us and, yeah. and just understand that it, it's, it's not in our biology, yeah, but we can get there. And I, yeah. I, I want to inspire men to get there. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> such a good conversation. Thank you. Okay. So share what, share. I always ask everybody, what are the top three max potential habits that you believe got you where you are today? Oh, she's, <laughs> uh, number one will sound cliche, but it was a lot of hard work. I took notes for about four years, um, on things I was noticing. And then I spent five years writing this book. It was a lot of work. Um, my personal life suffered because of it, but it's what it took. 
you can't just be a dreamer. You actually have to put in the backbreaking work to really build something because building anything of value is, is hard. It really is. It's hard. And there's 10 other people that want to do it more than you. Um, that's one. Two is believe in yourself. Um, I was actually very reticent to tell people I was writing a book. Um, I was, I didn't want to feel like I was presuming that I'm like Mr. Authority on something, but the reality was that, yeah, as this thing came together, the book's, the book is good and it's useful for people. And so I had to step into that accepting like, yeah, I actually am now an authority in some way on some small piece of this. Um, and I can offer value. And I, and it took me a little while to step into that role. Um, and believe in myself as, uh, as uh, someone who could deliver. <sighs> okay, I have to feel into the third one, Amanda. Um, what got me? I don't know if this was, I don't know if it's what got me here, but I am proud and I try to treat everybody the same. You know, awesome. really treat everybody the same. You're, you're not better than anybody else. Hmm. Nice. Wow. Those are good. Yeah. I, I, my brain's scanning all the last people I've asked and I'm like, Oh, no one's ever said those <laughs> hard, hard work maybe, but not the others, you know? And it's like, it's that, well, I think it's that sentiment of, I, I love asking that question and just thinking about what that hard work piece to me is big because I go, and I think, you know, we could grapple with the words hard work and we could go like, to me, it's just the most important work. You know, it's like to work on yourself, to become masterful in your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, to evolve consciously, to step into even wanting to do that work is huge. And I think it's the quest of life because, you know, I, I don't know, I look at it and I go like, why would you want to do anything else? <laughs> of course, I'm a coach, but you know, it's like, I go, I feel so much better having done that work. You know, it's like, and it never ends. It's like, it's a constant journey, but it's like, oh, I would so much rather work, do the hard work to understand myself so that I can show up powerfully with all the people that I interact with. And because on the other side of that is liberation. Yeah. Like, you know, you really are free to create more of what you want in your life instead of being the prisoner of your own mind and habits. You know, so it's, it's powerful stuff. Okay, I know everyone's gonna, I, I've definitely told everyone what your book is. Where can they buy it? Where can they find you? And when will your course be released? Okay, so the book is available on Amazon, uh, as all books are. And you can find more information about me at gsyoungblood.com. I've also got a YouTube channel, so I have a, a lot of videos that are up there. And uh, you can sort of just get a taste of my work and also other topics that we'll talk about. Um, so those are the best ways. Uh, men, you can join the Masculine in Relationship Discussion Group, or you can just like my GS Youngblood One Facebook page. Um, those are great ways to stay connected and hear about new content coming out. Um, the, the meditation and embodiment course, video course, that'll be online, uh, I hope by end of summer. So please okay. check back. Uh, I've gotten some, a number of pieces of premium content on the website that you can, you can purchase. Okay. So check out the website and also we'll get on the mailing list. That's the easiest way. Just go to the website, pop up, we'll get, will happen and you can get on the mailing list and you'll hear about new stuff. Perfect. Okay. And it's your, your YouTube channel is GS Youngblood? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And I'll have all the links in the show notes for everybody. 
It's been super amazing to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your lots of years of knowledge, experience, just the wealth of helping people. I mean, obviously you're working with men, but it, it, it supports women too. It supports all people when we have powerful men in the world. So thank you for the work that you do in the world and for coming on our show to share it with listeners. That was my pleasure. I enjoyed the conversation. You did a great job. Thank you. All right, everyone. If you like what you heard, be sure to take a screenshot of the podcast, blast it out to the social media channels to help us reach more people. We are here for you to help you, giving you all of the experiences that we've had and and sharing them so that you can thrive. So that's the point. And we love it when you help us. So tag us in social media share it, leave us comments, let us know how it resonated, let us know what's working, and definitely buy GS's book, The Masculine in Relationships. I will put a link straight in the show notes so you can go right there and purchase it immediately. (laughs) Um, I think it's an incredible blueprint for understanding how to be more masterful in relationships. Until next week, I hope that you have a max potential week where you thrive and feel alive. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Max Potential Habits Podcast. If you're liking what you've heard, it would be so incredibly awesome if you would subscribe to the channel and leave a five-star rating and a written review. This helps me help more people while we grow our NFA community so we can rock it out together. For Max Potential Habits resources, go to nfacoaching.com where you can access all of my resources. There's free ebooks, PDF checklists, a journal template, a business mindset meditation kit, and so much more. Plus, links to NFA Coaching on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you're super serious about up-leveling, there's also a link to schedule a free consult to work with me in group or one-on-one coaching. Until next time, I hope you have a Max Potential Habits Day where you get inspired to do whatever it takes to transform into the most empowered version of yourself so you can lead a rich, thriving, kick-ass life and business.